Miller Lite, the official beer partner of your Philadelphia Phillies, is proud to serve as presenting sponsor of WIP's High Hopes Pod. So whether you're listening to the game, catching up on the latest High Hopes Pod, or at the ballpark, remember it tastes like Miller time, Phillies fans. Celebrate responsibly. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is the High Hopes Podcast. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. And Jack, I'm just excited that I didn't have to do a super angry yo, which felt like it was where we were going and then Andrew Knapp somehow made an amazing play at the plate. The great Andrew yeah. Knapp made a play at the plate and I'm still upset with the weekend, but I'm like 5% less upset, Jack. Because your guy Andrew Knapp saved the season? Love that guy, I mean, man. I mean, I, I've always said you don't get better at backup catcher than Andrew Knapp. That's what I've always said. I just want to know where you were when, when Nappy saved the season. I mean, Nappy... <laughs> Literally out of the playbook of Cameron Rupp and Tyler Goodell. I mean, they they, they saved the Philly season last night in a series where they should have taken freaking two or three. I mean, uh, whatever. They should have taken two or three. I I, I I'm happy they won last night. It is it, it felt like a <laughs> it felt like a season saver. But like, I don't know. I can't tell I can't tell if I'm like I can't tell if I'm mad that they won two of three or they uh, they lost two of three or that I think they're trending in the right direction because they really should have won two of three. <laughs> I love that you. that's even a thought in your mind. I'm incredibly mad they lost two of three. Like that sat – look, first of all, just to show up for that Friday game after what you did in Buffalo on Thursday to lose that second game the way you did – and then just get boat raced 11 to two, no shot. Nola looked awful. Like, I don't know. That in and of itself felt to me incredibly, incredibly disappointing. But then on Saturday to come out and get the 4 nothing lead and just do it again, man. We've already had three losses like that this year, Jack. That's our third gut punch loss of the season. I know. So I know. I'm definitely be- more in the disgruntled than happy cam. Well, I mean, they only had leads in all seven of their last seven I, losses. It's so unbelievable. It is so hard to believe that that is a possible thing that could have happened. It, uh, it shouldn't be possible. Like, here's the here's the most frustrating part of this, and the the, the uh, for me, it's the fact that this team is definitely good. Like, they're definitely a good baseball team, except for the one thing they need to hold leads. It's like. If 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 Matt Clint, I know whatever Clint, but like if if he didn't completely botch <laughs> botch this offseason, like we wouldn't feel like we're wasting a Phillies team. Like we're we're it feels for as excited as I am to sit down every night and and honestly, I, if we did the podcast Sunday or whatever, like I had this whole thing planned where because like honestly, I sit down every night and I I I am excited and I'm giddy and I talk myself into the team and then like three hours later it's just pure torture. Like it's, <laughs> I feel like an idiot. I feel like an idiot every single time I sit down. Um, when when I, when I watch the Phils, but like if they, if they just addressed the bullpen in the off season and they didn't have to make these two panicky trades, uh, this weekend it's like we're looking at a team that we could get ex- like really excited about. We're looking at a team that. Is not two games out from the eighth wild card spot. Like we're looking at a team that we can be talking about. Could this team make a legitimate run? Could they get to the to the NLCS? Because the offense is that good. The starting staff has been good enough. I mean, Nolan and Wheeler have been everything is advertised. I mean, Wheeler, I think he's actually been better than advertised. I mean, he's not striking guys out, but he's going deep in ball games and and giving you a chance like he did on Saturday. It's just the bullpen is such a, a freaking cluster bleep that like it, you can't. You can't even fully buy into anything they do. I mean, Bryce is talking about going on and winning nine of ten. It's like how? 
How is this team going to win nine of ten? Yeah, well, they haven't won five in a row since 2018, Bryce. Like, let's worry about getting a five in a row before we start talking about nine and ten. But the craziest thing about that statement, too, is that he's flat out wrong. Like, they don't actually even need to win nine of ten. That's how crazy this playoff setup is. I mean, right now, two of the... 10,000 teams making the playoffs in the National League right now are sub-500 teams, and one of them is a 500 team. I mean, like, the Phillies aren't at all even close to out of it, even though it feels like they should be. And to your point, Jack, I would go so far as to say that if they had a major league-capable bullpen, I'm not even talking about, you know, one of the best pens in the league or something, a major league-capable bullpen, they're in first place right now. First place. Like, it's that big a difference. It's that, that's how much this has mattered. They are historically bad. It's a bullpen. Uh, so uh, it's, and I know we've said this before, but you were just kind of hitting on something that I, I think is really so far through 24 games been the theme of this team this season is that it's not even fun to watch because you can never enjoy it because you're always waiting for the hammer to fall. Like it sucks a lot of the fun out of watching this team because the offense is you always know that there is not just the potential, but the likelihood that that bullpen's going to, it's all going to come crashing down, Jack. It really is sucks some of the fun out of the season. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm still, like, I don't know. I, it's, it's, I'm still loving watching. I'm I so excited and all that. It's great to have baseball back. But you know what I'm saying? Like, when you watch these games, like, it does, like, you just can't get as invested in a, a you know, big inning or early lead or whatever because you're just always dreading. Yeah, and, and I think that's fair. It's like, it's like they get a 4-2 lead and all of a sudden you're just holding on to your butt. Like, because like, you, you just, you don't know... You're just expecting them to blow it, which is a really frustrating way to live, um, especially with your baseball team. <laughs> like it's just yes. it's it's a it's a frustrating way to go about life. And the thing is, like me and you are, are very similar, and I'm sure the high hopes listeners are the exact same way. Like we live and die with this team. Like oh. I I don't really get mad about sporting events anymore. Like I'll have my I'll get my small little bursts out, like when the Eagles lose. Or something goes wrong. Sixers, like they've just killed me from inside. Like I just Oh, I'm dead inside with this. Honestly, like I was I was fine with them getting swept. Like I didn't even care. I'm so beaten down and dead with that team. Yeah, exactly. But like the Phillies, I just I it makes me legitimately, legitimately angry. Like I usually get over losses in a half hour. I have a half hour rule where I where I where I just get over it and whatnot. I mean, Saturday night, obviously I had a few. Pavetta got traded. They blew a game. Oh, we'll get there. I had, we'll get there. I had money on the game, and I they lost, and I was just I I finished a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I ate like four mochis. Oh my god, dude! It was it was a it was dark one of those nights. It yeah. was like a, a, the beginning of a rom com when the girl breaks up with the guy, and he's just spending like weeks at home by himself. That was you. Yeah, I've grown a full beard. Um, it's just yeah, it was a real. <laughs> Saturday was a really, really dark night. It was just a really, really, really dark night. And I I had the same reaction for what it's worth. It was funny because it wasn't as bad a loss as the Toronto one where they're up seven nothing or that Baltimore one and that crazy game with the Segura, you know, missing the ball. But it felt worse to me because it was just like almost like a you gotta be bleeping me. Like you have to be kidding. Really? Again? It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's just like it's like how much how much pain are we supposed to take here? Like, I, I know the Mets have it bad, and I get it, but it's like just I feel like no one loses harder than this than this team. Like, I agree. They they just invent ways to lose, and and now they why did why did they put together the bullpen the way they did? Like it just like. You know that things. It's Matt Clentag and John Middleton. They both are to blame. And again, and we'll get to this trade for many portions of it. But this trade is a perfect example. The idea that they basically gave away Connor Seabold because they wanted money back, staying over the tax. It's just like it's perpetual. It's it's in everything. It's ruining everything, Jack. Yeah. Well, at least they won on Sunday. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about the trade first, and then we'll get to the games because the trade did really kind of happen. You know. During the Friday night game, we yeah. found out. I, I, I honestly, I stopped paying attention after that. I was just, I was just. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's Let's start with the most important part, and then we'll get to the actual important parts. Uh, I mean, the floor is yours, Jack. Nick Pavetta is no longer a Philly. I know, but I will say that 
Chaim wanting Nick Pavetta, I think, is a sign that he's definitely good. Um, it was definitely the best thing that could ever happen to you, for yeah. what it's worth. I mean, how long did we beg for the Phillies to hire Chaim Bloom? I mean, it, it, we we it was all we wanted. It was all we cared about. Like it was our our whole thing. Right. And this guy sees the spin rates, <laughs> sees the talent right in front of him, and says, "You know what? I'm going to take a shot." I mean, they're going to have to give up a better package to to get our two pretty average major league relievers, and uh, I'm going to take it back a guy with a chance to be really good in, in Nick Pavetta and a guy in Connor Seabold who I think could be a 4-5 in, in a rotation. Um, but, yeah, losing Pavetta hurts. Um, obviously, those who listen to this podcast, I mean, Nick Pavetta is my favorite Philly, and I know that sounds ridiculous and whatnot, but... Let's do. Let's go into in, inside Jack's shoes for a second. Let's. Let's. Oh, are we sure we want to do that? It seems a little dangerous in there. Yeah. Well, it's uh, there's a lot going on, but let's <laughs> let's just let's just take this through through in, like step into my shoes for a second. I'm a young young man trying to start out in this in this crazy sports media field. Uh, you know, I think I know baseball. Played it my whole life. Pitched in college. Um, I mean, pitched poorly in college, was physically present for two years of college baseball, um, kept the book for 53 straight PSAC games. <laughs> and I'm trying to break into the media, right? And I'm trying to, to you know, what's going to be my, my, my what's going to be the way that I stick out? And, you know, I started developing a little following with the Phils. You know, they're, they're, they're my favorite team. I live and die with their games. Uh, like, I didn't watch much during the rebuild because I was, trying to you know be a member of that Phillies team so you know I start here and and uh, Nick Pavetta comes up and I'm like this guy actually has stuff you know they had brought up Sean O'Sullivan and just like just dog crap pitchers over and over and over again just absolute terrible pitchers and then I see Nick Pavetta and I'm like this guy has talent this guy has stuff and I'm like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna hitch my wagon this guy I believe in this guy a little bit Nola Pavetta Anyway, then he looks pretty good in 2017s to finish the season well, and and everyone in the last offseason heading into 2018 was writing about Nick Pavetta. Actually, it was 2019 was was breakout Pavetta. Yes, yes, yes heading into 2019. That offseason, the 2018-2019 offseason. Yes, 2018 was pretty good. Everyone was in. I mean, like, it was a thing, remember? I mean, he was – he was getting drafted in the mid rounds of fantasy drafts. Like the Phillies made in the, on it. The Phillies yeah. made him in t- untouchable in trade. The Phillies made him untouchable. Remember those rumors? He was untouchable. He was the number two starter to start the season. Yeah. yeah. And is that my fault? Probably. I mean, <laughs> you played a role. Yeah. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that if if you're ever looking to break in and and stick out, like just go all in on guys and and choose wisely. I did not choose wisely. Um, I put all my, not all my eggs. I mean, it's unfortunate that like, I can't tweet anything without people being like, well, you like Pavetta. And it's like, oh my God, whatever. But like, I loved him. I really did. And I hitched my brand to hashtag breakout Pavetta. And I would talk about it on the radio, talk about it on high hopes. I would tweet about it. And unfortunately, everyone started buying in. And he did not hold up his end of the bargain, I would say. And um, yeah, put it that way. I met him in spring training, and that was great. Um, yeah, that was the peak. The, and then it is. Yes, yes, that was the down. peak. I. Uh, but listen, he was he was my favorite Philly. I had a lot invested in Breakout Pavetta. If he ended up being really good, it would have been a great, you know, you know, a feather in my cap. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. And I know it didn't work out that way. I'm not one of those guys that doesn't admit when he was wrong. I was wrong. Now, now, I still think there's talent in there. And I think he, he could be good. And I Look, think the fact that Chaim Bloom traded, you don't need to say it anymore. Right. Like Chaim right. Bloom, if Chaim Bloom wants anything to do with him, there's at least something there. Yeah. Chaim wanted him, which means Breakup Pavetta was kind of right. So it's the most perfect thing yeah. that could have happened for you. Yeah. I will well, say if, that. Well, like if, it is way better than him being on the Phillies for you. Well, what if Haim sucks? I mean, Haim could be bad. It's I don't, possible. I don't think we he's don't know. bad. Yeah, I don't think he's bad at all. It's um, highly unlikely, but it's possible. Highly unlikely. Uh, and maybe this is the move that gets him back to Philadelphia once they fire him in three years. But 
Breakup of it is over, and honestly, it feels like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> that was honestly my first thought. Like it's, uh, on, but I was, I was, I was what very down. Was my first thought. What a relief for Jack. Oh my gosh, it's like now I don't. Uh, now people are gonna bring it up, but now it's not like I gotta watch him get shelled, and like no one's really gonna be paying attention to Red Sox games to see if he's gonna do well and tweet at me. Well, they might now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will be watching Red Sox games to see how he does. And yeah, you know, it, it's over. I'm glad it's over. I hope we can all move on and, you know, people are going to think I know baseball again because I got one pitcher wrong. Sue me. Um, but I, uh, I'm i going to miss him. I'm not really going to miss him. But uh, I, I'm wishing him all the best you'll in miss Boston. The, you'll miss the idea of him. Yes. That's for I'm sure. I'm wishing him the best in Boston. Uh, I am not rooting for Brandon Workman or uh, Heath Embry to fail because I – care about the Phillies more than I care about Nick Pavetta I know some people don't believe that but it's true and honestly honestly this is the God's honest truth we never lie to the high hopes listeners that is what this podcast is all about I'm more upset about Seabold being a part of it and wow that is a big admission my friend I like I really liked Connor Seabold I really did I thought he was a a couple mechanical changes away from having a wipeout slider with a jumpy fastball and a good feel for a changeup like I, I really like the upside of Connor Seabold and just the fact then this is the bigger problem with the trade for me. I, I think it was a horrible trade. And, it was a horrendous trade, like a embarrassing trade and, as far as I'm concerned. And those, listen, Hembry and Workman will help the Phillies. There's no they're doubt about They're major league relievers. They're better than what we had. There's but no they're, question. They're, not, they're nothing crazy. I mean, they're, no, they're... Workman's had a good year. Like uh, the last, last year, year, Workman has been a good pitcher, but they're not like elite relievers. Elite relievers. Elite um, relievers. Yeah. So, the so to 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 have to save or have to get back eight hundred and fifteen thousand dollars because because we the, don't want to go over the luxury tax is just a freaking joke, man. It it's is, an embarrassment. It's embarrassing. It's it, embarrassing as a Philadelphia Phillies fan in a big market. It's, it's like what are we what are we even doing here? You know, are we, we like the, Royals? Are we the the? Oh no, wait, the Royals. You know, won a World Series more recently than we did. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, are we are we those teams? Small market, the small market Phillies. It's like we're seriously worried about this luxury tax. When again, it's easy. It should theoretically be easy to stay under next season. Like there's almost forty five million dollars coming off the books. If you go over this year, you should be able to stay under next year, unless they're planning on going out and just continuing to buy, buy, buy. I don't know if they are, but it's just frustrating. It's just, it's just, it's just beyond frustrating that that they have to give up a guy in Connor Seabold who could be a rotation piece and Nick Pavetta. For two journeyman-ish kind of relievers, just to save eight hundred thousand dollars, like and I mean, only one who signed past this season, right? I you're mean, get, you're, you're talking getting about, uh, you're talking about a thirty game rental, thirty five game rental, like that's crazy town. You're getting Brandon Workman for thirty five games in a season where you're not winning the World Series. Yes, and and so first and foremost, what you just mentioned, the idea of of trading potential assets down the road, particularly Seabold, for any sort of rental for this sham of a season where you have no chance to win the World Series is malpractice, period, end of story. To have to get the money back, and the reason they gave up Seabold, they're not giving up Seabold if they're not asking for the money back. They could have given up a worse prospect. They gave up a better prospect so they could get money back. Think about that. That is the type of thing that small market teams do. It's a joke. We should all be embarrassed by it. Every day that Matt Klentak is the general manager of this team is a day that this team has no future. That's how I feel about Matt Klentak. That's how I feel about the Phillies right now. Like, this guy has to go right now. Yeah. And the idea that he's making trades with Brian Cashman and Chaim Bloom, it's like, oh, my God. It's like asking my daughter to try and make a trade with a, a grown adult. Like, what are we doing? Well, I don't. I mean, I think Klentak's a disaster, but it's also a, it's a mandate by Middleton. Like, I don't know, if, I don't know how much. Of... Well, I know that's why I mentioned Middleton before. I agree that the the luxury tax part of it is a Middleton thing. I get that. I, I I'm not just saying Klentak for the the luxury tax part. That's why I always bring Middleton into it because I think the luxury tax part is a joke. But also just the the general idea that Matt Klentak is trading away assets for the future for. Stop get bullpen pieces right now. Does not get me excited, especially because this bullpen is gonna suck anyway, man. Like maybe they're gonna go from historically bad to just bad. Look, we already saw it. Brandon Workman is not at a sterling entrance into Philly, and I'm not, you know, two star, two outings, whatever. But 
like these guys are not changing the season. This is not something where all of a sudden this bullpen is going to be dynamite or whatever. Quickly, quickly. I just want to comment on Pavetta and then we'll get back to this trade. But um, much like you and Nick Pavetta, that's what I did with Andrew Knapp. I've tied myself to his career and I'm very excited about how great he's doing. Um, yes, kidding, kidding. Correct. Um, but here's what I'll say about Pavetta. And I honestly believe this. And I think it's just another ding on Matt Klintak that the Phillies failed Nick Pavetta a lot more than Nick Pavetta failed the Phillies. And I guarantee you there are a lot of people, everybody was like, yeah, you got rid of Pavetta. That's so smart. Let's get rid of him. The fact that Chaim Bloom is coming in and taking Pavetta from the Phillies just shows that the Phillies failed with him. And look, maybe he never turns into anything, but there were pieces there that they could work with, and they didn't. They didn't develop him. They didn't turn him into anything, and now he's in Boston. And that's fine. Again, at this point, I was fine to never see Nick Pavetta pitching him for the Phillies. Like, it was too far gone. But don't act like this is some genius move getting rid of Pavetta. It's not. It's a, It's a, It's basically a, a symbol of failure is what it is. Yeah, and it was especially rude that they gave his number away right away to Heath Embry. I thought that was just uh, disrespectful. <laughs> it certainly didn't help you out that Heath Embry was dynamite as far as out yeah, of 40. Yeah, and so, a, a bunch of this guy's so much better than Pavetta tweets. Yeah, well, I, I will say that it's it's just bad that a guy that you thought was a number two and you wouldn't trade for anyone a year ago, you're having to package exactly. with Connor Siebold to get some stopgap bullpen pieces. Like, I don't know. I think I think Pavetta ultimately failed himself by not getting better, and you know, some, I don't I don't know how much to fully blame on the Phillies, but it, their misevaluation is just I mean, just a that's a total whiff. Like that's just a total whiff. For as much as for as much as you want to make fun of me about Pavetta, that's fine. But like my my whole point was like, sure, be mad at me, but the Phillies believed in Nick Pavetta. This was not just me. I didn't make him the number two starter. I did not trade him for anything. Um, I didn't make him untouchable in trades. I didn't do all this stuff to prop up Pavetta. All I did was believe in spin rates and his 97-mile-an-hour fastball. Like, that's all I believed in. The Phillies legitimately were all in. Now, could it have been their fault because they're listening to IOPS too much because they're big fans probably? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be their fault. Um, I don't think You're not that. listening enough, Jack, as far as I'm concerned. I would agree. I would agree. If they were listening, they would know that Haim should be the, the general manager right now. Yes. Yes, but I can't wait for the. I truly can't wait for the the the. I'm uh, honestly at the point where I'm at anyone but Klentak. I guess Dave Dombrowski is like the one name that comes to mind uh, that would I'm be terrified. a disaster for me. No, I'm but terrified. Like, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so out. Uh, again, like it's just every day and every move and all this stuff. You just see a guy who's overmatched. A guy. And look, we don't need to go down the Met Klentak hole again. Like I think everyone knows where he stands, and we're not going to stop talking about it because until that guy's not the general manager of this team. My opinion of this organization will be worse than it will be the day he's gone. Like that's just how I feel. Like as long as John Middleton employs that guy and is believes in that guy in any way, shape, or form, like then I know the power structure of my favorite team is never going to be successful. So that's how I feel. I dude, need changes. But dude, he had to give up. He gave up. He gave up a legitimate bullpen prospect. Yeah, for, for a, a guy who got DFA. Yeah, a guy got DFA. What who's, are we doing? Yeah, like I mean, what David we... Hale's fine. He's yeah. fine. He's okay. He got DFA'd. Yeah. That should be a. That should be a. Hey, we'll give you a player to be named later. Yes, that's a. That's a. We'll give you cash or something. I know the Phillies are too cheap, but that's what that type of deal is. Like, yeah. and now the Yankees. The Yankees will have Addison Russ throw like fifty percent splitters and. Oh, and you know he's gonna be nasty there. He's gonna be great. It's gonna be, you know, setting up uh, whatever other amazing young reliever decides to be their closer someday or whatever. When Chapman, I mean, it's it's just what it is. He'll probably be setting up for Chapman like next year. It'll be great. We'll see. I, um, I, I'm actually, but I am. There's two things. I'm, I'm one nervous to see what they do for the rest of this trade, like how they're going to operate. Like, is this is this their move, or are they going to make something else? I don't know. I'm I'm worried to see what they're going to. Well, did you see what Jeff Passan suggested? Uh, no. Well, Jeff Passan said if they have a big week, a bad week this week, he said if they lose the majority of games to Washington and Atlanta, there are a lot of people around baseball who believe that they would, and I do not think they will. I don't think there's any way that you make these moves and then do such an about-face, and, and Passan mentions that it would be a massive about-face. But if they have a really bad week, he's like, I wouldn't put it past them to trade Romuto. Wow. That he's an asset and that, you know, if they're out of it, if they're done, but he's like, it would be really hard for the organization to do that considering what their fan base, and he even had signed JT in the article, like how the fans are yelling sign JT, which, well done, everybody. It's going national, the sign JT thing. Yeah. Um, but, I, like, I don't think there's any way they're they're 
they become sellers over the next week, even if they lose five of six, like it just, I think mentality wise, like essentially if they become sellers, if they trade JT, whether or not it's a smart baseball move, considering the position they're in, like Matt Klintak is basically admitting failure at that point. He's basically admitting, all right, we were supposed to contend and, and now I, I didn't, I failed. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think Matt Klintak, part of the impetus for making these trades or fixing up the bullpen is I do think that his job is on the line and I think he's trying to save it. So I think it's far more likely he adds more than than subtracts. But man, it just I'm terrified that he's going to give something away for another asset that's not going to make this team enough better. You know what I mean? Hey, you know what I don't want? I don't want Matt Klintak making a JT Realmuto trade. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want Matt Klintak making any trades. Like, Like again, I don't want him making any roster decisions. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Imagine imagine if they tell Bryce like, hey. We're trading JT. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I mean, I feel like don't you don't you kind of feel like Bryce is about to snap? I I wouldn't blame him. I feel like he, he looks I, angry. He does. He looks angrier. Well, and, and we've talked about this before, but he looks like he doesn't look like he's having a ton of fun. Well, and and Joe Girardi said, I guess he was like dog tired. That's what he gave him the day off. Yeah, it feels like it feels off. like Bryce is kind of uh, wearing the whole team on his back. Or that, that's the way well, that... he certainly put them on his back so far this season. So yeah. I'm sure you feel that when yeah. two guys are literally carrying the team for stretches. I mean, well, that's tough. Well, three, nappy. Uh, uh, duh. Of course. Terrible job by me. Well, I should have said, I should have said JT and Harper are like helping carry the team. Well, what I, should have. I mean, they could trade JT and then just make nappy full-time catcher. Well, that's the, that's really the point there, right? I mean, Ger- why even sign JT? We're Ger- good. Girardi literally said in the manager show yesterday that he is doing what he can to get Andrew Knapp in the lineup. And I just could not believe <laughs> it's like, oh the, the, those. I mean, it's like, it kind of makes sense. Here's the of thing. Of course it does. He's hitting. Yeah, but <laughs> he's, he, he's still like, it's still not like impressive. It's, it's still singles. He's not like launching balls. I mean, it's still, it's still nappy. I'm, I'm happy. But don't get me wrong. Like good for good him. Good at bats, Jack. Good at bats. Look, I'll take him over Scott eye. Kingery all day, every day. How That's about that? Depressing. Um, you, what if Clintac is playing chess while everyone's playing checkers, and he traded for a workman and Hembry a week early just to flip him at the deadline for more than Pavetta and Siebel? That was actually something that was suggested too. Was that if they become sellers, that workman would be an asset they could sell. Jay Bruce, like Passon, had a whole list of the idea that. Um, if the Phillies wanted to be sellers, they really do have assets that they could sell. But again, to your point, like, I don't want Matt Klintak doing that. Like, I don't want him in charge of this. I, I'm so beaten down by Matt Klintak, Jack. I really am. Like, they got, like, J.D. Hammer for Pat Neshek in a normal year. And, like, J.D. Hammer's not anything. They had to give up Pavetta and Seabold in a year that doesn't really matter for... A joke of a year, Yes. Oh, whatever. Weird, uh, weird, weird value. Weird value. But like, listen, right. I'm not worried about them selling because I got to be honest with you. I think they're about to go on a run. I really do. Like, there he is. Oh, there dude, he is. they're going there on a run. Last, listen. Last night's game was a was a season a, turner. A shot in the arm. A shot yep. in the arm. It's time to go on yep. a run. Bryce, Bryce set the tone when he said, "Win. We got to win nine of ten. Now they probably won't win nine of ten, but I think they're going to turn the season around. I think that was a legitimate." jolt for this baseball team uh Hembry looks really good workman's a work in progress which is a little terrible and uh doesn't make me feel great the curveball can we just find the release point brandon or are we just gonna throw worm burners like donovan like how would you find the release point on the one pitch you've thrown your whole life well uh Hembry looked good they have legitimate bullpen pieces now we got to get naris on track but when you win a game naris like this is a disaster yeah Jack. naris is making me nervous because the splitter is not splitting james um and or, or or he's he's tipping it off or something. I mean, no one's swinging at it. I I just don't think it's I don't think it's moving. It's just it's, it's not possible. It but I mean, same. to get no swings and misses, like he had no swings and misses on it in the last outing. Zero. It's crazy. Well, I don't know. Hector goes through these things though. That's he what, does. That's what sucks. Look, about he got it. sent out of the minors. We know last year. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, two years ago. But yeah. Two years ago. Yes. It's a uh, it's a little frustrating with with Hector, but I think he's just so streaky. I trust that he'll get back on track. Jose Alvarez. Uh, hopefully, he's on the on the way back. You know, they had to put him on the the ten day IL. I don't know. Like that. We we kind of said it last year. Actually, we definitely said it last year after the Harper walk off. But I those kind of wins can kind of galvanize a locker room. I don't know. I don't know. I liked it. I liked the energy after it. I liked. How many where- times have we done this? How, 
How many times have you and I talked on this very podcast and been like, this is the one, the season's turning around. There's a season turnaround win right here. Doesn't happen that often, Jack. One of them's got to be right. One of them's got to be right. uh, Like, I remember the Bryce Grand Slam and us having to re-record after we had done it because we thought they were losing and the excitement and this is the moment. They're going to turn it around and, yeah, they fill it out after that. I know. And the bullpen's still bad, but... But the, star- horrendous. the starting staff is better. The lineups is better. And they have some competent bullpen pieces down there now. There's there's some signs for a turnaround. They should have won two. Is coming. They should have won two or three in Atlanta. Ah. You know that. They should have won two or three in Atlanta. If they yeah, won they two or three. They two or three everywhere. They blow everything. Okay, but guess what? Heath Embry and Brandon Workman and David Hale are here now. They weren't here last week. Oh, goodness. The power trio. If they, if they were in the Blue Jays series, they win probably both of those games. This team's going on a run. They ha- I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you know they win the Blue Jays series? If they had the Blue Jays bullpen. Give me yeah. Jason Romano and those guys and we'll be fine. They don't have the so. Blue Jays bullpen. But at 30 minutes and 17 seconds into this podcast, I'm telling you right now, this team is going on a run. I don't care if you laugh at me. I don't care if anyone out there laughs at me. This team is going on a run. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I Hey, Jack, let me put it this way. I really hope you're right. There's Thank nothing you. I want more than this team to go on a run. I just I don't see it right now, man. I don't see it. I hope uh, – look, you got high hopes, which Always. I appreciate. Always. It doesn't, appreciate. Doesn't, doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. Well, speaking of IOPs, there are a couple things I want to get into from the games that we, you know, kind of been talking macro. But uh, high hopes, if we want to get real with IOPs, the thing that right now I am most excited about is that Alec Bohm is a hitting machine, Jack. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. he's an out, granted, a borderline disastrous oh, third baseman. <laughs> I mean, just terrible. It's, it's not good. He's a DH. But, Jack, like, this is the. This is the most sound hitter we've had come up in a really long time in this organization. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love, honestly, like Bryce is always uh, appointment television, um, JT too. But, but Bohm is a guy that I try to make sure I watch every single at bat of because they're just clinics. I mean, you don't really get to see uh, many young guys come up and show the, the kind of play discipline he has and, he does damage within the strike zone, and um, it's just it's just really impressive. And I, I I ran some of the the numbers today on where he's at. So he's top twenty five in all of baseball in barrel percentage, which is like barreling up the baseball, um, hitting the ball hard. Um, he is uh, he is hit, he has a hard hit percentage of fifty seven percent. So fifty seven percent of the time he's hitting the ball ninety five um, ninety five plus miles an hour off the bat, which is nuts. I mean, that's just nuts. Just consistently able to put the barrel on the baseball. Doesn't chase out of the zone. So his O swing percentage, which means uh, swinging at pitches outside of the zone, is 22%, which is also in the top 20 of Major League Baseball. Um, he is not just a pull hitter. Obviously, we've seen that. The well, that's, that's what's been so impressive. I mean, the homer alone, a perfect example, but he just takes the ball where he wants to go. Yeah, 57% of his batted balls have been to center field, which is nuts. That's a that's a, that's a huge percentage. Um and and striking out. I mean, doesn't strike out on top of it. So he's only striking out in 15% of his at-bats, which is top 30 in, in all of Major League Baseball. Like, the guy... Again, again, for a guy who just started playing Major League Baseball. I mean, this is, he's never played the majors before. He's 24 now. Like, that is incredibly impressive to be in that type of rarefied air in terms of where he ranks this season for those types of things at this age with his experience. Level. And pitchers will adjust. I mean, they, they always adjust, and... He'll go through his lumps, but like I just don't see them being prolonged because because he spits on curveballs out of the zone. Like he hasn't had any trouble catching up the fastballs, you know. And and I kind of wrote it in the the piece I put on WIP today. Like for the longest time, it was Rendon and it was Freeman. Like sure, Harper is always the the best player in, in Washington, and Acuna is the best player in in uh, Atlanta now. But like Freeman and Rendon always killed us. Like I, I just never have confidence that they were going to be able to get those guys out um, whenever they came up. And especially when in, in late game situations where there's like a runner on second and third and one out and it's like, Oh, here comes Rendon and he's just going to drive a ball to the wall, you know, first pitch, just tattoo it. Um, and that's how I feel about Alec Bohm. Like, I just feel like he's going to be the guy 
that for 10 years the the other NL East teams are just going to hate because he's going to come up and he's going to jump on whatever reliever they bring in. He doesn't wait around for two strikes and then battle his way back. Like if there's if there's a first pitch in the zone, he is looking to do damage within the strike zone. And the Phillies for a long time had preached that. Like they were trying to get guys who would do that. And Bohm's really the first one that has come up and, and done that. He's very selective. He knows his strike zone. He has very good strike zone um, recognition. Balls outside of it, he's not he's not going after. And the balls that he knows are within the strike zone, he is attacking and he is consistently barreling up. He just consistently barrels up the baseball. And I said it when he was coming up, but 325 to 30 homers and 100 RBI, that's what I'm expecting from Alec Bohm every year going forward for the next decade. I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, I'm with you, man. I, it's, it's impressive to watch him, you know, again, for, for someone coming straight up from the minor leagues to be just this confident at the plate. And like you said, his pitch recognition is so impressive. He doesn't swing at bad pitches. It's like, it's apparent when you watch him, it's, um, and, and he looks like he still is going to grow into that body a little bit. He's still a little lanky. I think you're going to see more power, uh, you know, yeah, as yeah, he gets yeah, a little. Sure. So I, I've just, Jack, I'm with you. I've been so impressed. Now on the flip side, man. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Can they keep rolling him out there at third? <laughs> I mean, because he's been legitimately bad, like a a liability defensively for this team. What do you do? It's I mean, because like, got, he's got to stay in the lineup every day, especially coming up, development, all that stuff. Like, he's in the lineup every day. Like, I don't care. He's one of, like, three guys that I feel like has to be in the lineup every day no matter what. Like, I, I that's just the way it is. But what do you do? I mean, can you keep rolling him out there at third every game and just hope? I guess they don't really have anything to lose, but I don't I don't really see it getting any better. Like, he just, it just seems like his fundamentals are off. Um, like, he just has – anytime there's a ground ball to his to his right, Yes, to his right. I just have no confidence he's going to be able to get it. I feel like he hasn't gotten one yet. It's it's unbelievable, Jack. It's like, like unbelievable. It's, it's like he's never played third base before. It does look. It really does look like that. And the amount of bad throws, the amount of like just poor positioning. He doesn't get his body in front of the ball. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, he, he cannot throw. Like it just. It's horrendous. It's like, he, it's like he starts thinking about it too much, and then he clearly does. He, I like, he is definitely doing the think about where I'm going, like pushing the ball type of thing, instead of just uncorking throws. It's it's really strange to watch with a major league player. You don't see that very often. Yeah, well, I've, I don't think I've seen a third baseman as bad as like I don't think I've ever seen a, ba- a third baseman as bad. He's, as dude, he's up there. He's yeah. legitimately up like, there. Just he's, a, he's among the worst fielding infielders. I've, I mean, outside of first baseman, he's one of the worst fielding infielders I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just. So bad. I, I have no idea. You know, like I, I don't see the downside to DH him. Um, you know, maybe, I, I think he should be a DH. Like yeah. that's yeah, he's a let, DH. It's okay. Let him, just let him go ahead. Um, Edgar Martinez made the Hall of Fame. It can happen. Like we're all good. Yeah. If you if you want to go rake as a DH, sure. Um, and it, like you know, Segura can play third. Kingery, if we can get him back on track, and Hazley and Quinn in center field. I mean, sure. There's there's a path there. Uh. I just think that you they want to Goslin and not Kingery. Sure. Agree. I think they, I think they want to make sure it's a failure before they really do anything. And I, I think so too. I think it's trending in that direction. I mean, it always reminded me a lot of Braun. I mean, Braun came up in 08 and he's that like, Jack. That is a perfect, perfect comparison. It's the exact one I was going to make. Ryan Braun is the perfect comparison. Yeah. I mean, Braun came up and he was a total disaster at third. Um, and then they moved into the left field and he was fine in left field. And I think Bohm, Bohm can catch the ball. The problem isn't catching. It's throwing and and I mean, dude, fielding. look, Re, he was horrible, but Reese Hoskins played a year of left field. Alec Bohm could play left field. Yeah, he moves better than Reese. Like, he's just... That's my point. He, exactly. He's got to be able to handle it, like, at least to a certain level, right? Yeah, I wonder I wonder how his arm would play out there. Like, his arm looks strong, but I can't totally tell from third base. He kind of just, like, allays it over there sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I would... It's not going to end well. Like he's just he unless yeah he I mean he works really hard at third base. It's I think it's gotten better since when he got drafted, which is saying something. But I just I just <laughs> don't I don't know a lot, buddy. Yeah, that I just is don't know saying something. I I would I would get him in left. Well, they can't put him in left field until Kutch is gone. So that I know. Also I know. That's why right now he's a DH. Like what? What? Why not? Why not DH him? What else are you doing with the DH? Yeah. Why not? It's not yeah. like they have an everyday DH. It's like Jay Bruce, who's hurt right now, or this or that, or whatever. Just, just DH Boom, because yeah. he is a 
a true disaster defensively, and, and the bat has to be there. Um, all right, a couple more guys I want to ask you about. I think we could – I don't really even need to ask, right? We could both agree Kutch is back, right? Yeah, yeah although – although um, did you notice, I think it was Saturday, um, uh, Swanson. Swanson tagged up from second base on a ball to left field, and I couldn't tell if it was because McCutcheon – what like wasn't look like he was gonna get fully behind it and and make sure he's gonna make a good throw. Like I couldn't tell if it was that kind of play or if they know or in the scouting report they, yeah, that he's not I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if that you know, obviously, but it wasn't a great throw for what it's worth. No, and, and he didn't get much behind it. Yeah. And it doesn't look like he's getting much behind it and he still looks like he's not moving totally well out there, but the bat definitely looks like it's back. It's it's looking much quicker. He's starting to drive it a little bit. So yeah, Kutch is definitely back, and he's not walking as much as he as he did last year. Yeah, but yeah, I, or like the last few years, really. But I do like that he's that he's driving the baseball again. So I'll I'll take it for now from Kutch. Yeah, I think it's headed in a good direction. Is the point? You know, he's finally the timing looks like it's back. And again, you would expect anyone who's that age who is off for an entire year and rehabbing an injury at the same time, like it would make sense that it might take you a little while to get back in the swing of things. I feel pretty good about where he's at offensively. Reese, um, look, he's, you know, we had the the opposite field Homer in Boston. We got excited about hit another, uh, was last night. I yep. think, uh, that, uh, at like a, an old school Reese Hoskins Homer, like a Jack to left field. We are like, Oh wow, that's actually going to be a home run. Pretty cool. Um, he's been better. Where you at on Reese? I, I have maintained. I'm good with Reese. Like I, I have not changed at all. I think he's batting, I think his last uh, 10 games is 286, 423, uh, two homers, and uh, like six RBI. Like, yeah, sure. that'll play. Listen, yeah, it, we'd like to see the power back yes. more consistently, but that'll play. What sucks is like he's actually doing pretty good two hole things. It's just that he's not like Reese Hoskins should be a middle of the lineup bat. Like, he's yeah. being a good two hole hitter. Um, he's just a perfect, a perfect two hole hitter. It's kind of what you want out of your two hole hitter. Exactly. It's just that it's Reese Hoskins. He needs, he needs to get back to driving the baseball. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree though. Having Bohm and Bohm, you know, just being as ready as quickly as he is, does mitigate it a little bit from a lineup perspective. He's given you some of those RBI potential, you know, from later in the lineup, but he's still batting seventh or eighth. depending on the night. He's move him up by the way. Well, what is but but, but but here's the thing, and here's why he I don't think he'll do it, and I think it makes sense, because because then he can kind of get trapped in the in the the three better minimum rule. Like I'm cool batting him, I'm cool batting him six to keep DD five and keep it from that's fine, uh, sure. Right, lefty, righty. So if if sure. it goes if it goes and uh, look, DD yeah. doesn't. I'm not saying DD needs to be moved down. I mean DD's been great. Uh, you know, batting over, DD. DD's batting over three hundred. Yeah, I think he's like 299 maybe or somewhere right around there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 289. He's a uh, 344 OBP at 470 slugging. I mean, Didi's been great. Didi's been everything you want. He's been, other than that one play in the Toronto game, he has been, or was it the Boston game? Whatever. No, it was, game, it, yeah. was, it was Toronto. It was Toronto. I was right the first time. Yeah. I mean, other than that one play, like he's been, he's just, a, we've talked about it, but a joy to watch play shortstop makes things that shouldn't be as easy as they look, look easy. Um I, I'm all in for Didi being here for more years. Like I'm, I'm so in on Didi. He is super fun to watch. The homer he hit last night was just a, a rocket. Like one of those ones where you could tell the right fielder didn't think it was going to be a home run off the bat, and then like starts to go after it, and he's like, "Oh, never mind. This is definitely going out of the park." So it was one of those ones. Uh, I've been really impressed with Didi. Anyone else? I want to get to the pitching in a sec, but anyone else in the lineup you want to talk about before I move on to the pitching? Um. I mean, Bryce had a four seven, four hundred seventy foot bomb. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just like old hat now. I mean, I know, on. I know. It's it, it it just it just sucks. We're not getting this for two things. We're not getting this for one sixty two. Like I just yep. want, I want to see what they would have been like over one hundred sixty two. Me too. I want to see if he could beat those twenty fifteen numbers yes. and have that season to point to and be like, I told all of you. Yeah. All right, I told you. Yes, uh, and it feels like it. It just feels like they're wasting a, a MVP Harper. Harper year, um, and, and JT is actually he's he's been struggling a little bit recently, so um, it would be nice to get him back on track a little bit. Yeah, I agree, and and uh, you know obviously start out hot. Look, I didn't expect him to. He was on pace for what like a hundred something home runs in a normal season early on. Yeah, he, so he had a higher home run to batting uh, uh, coming up 
of you know, home run per at bat. Yeah, per at bat than Bonds did in in two. Yeah, so, so that probably wasn't going to continue, but no, um, especially um, as a J-T catcher. Yeah, JT will be fine. Um, all right, pitching from what we saw this weekend, um, I, I definitely, definitely, definitely wanted to get your thoughts on Zach Eflin because for me, he's been the one guy of you know, like you said at the top when we were talking about the team. Nolan Wheeler, obviously Nolan wasn't great this weekend, but Nolan Wheeler have been really good in giving you what you need, especially Wheeler, who has not had a bad start yet. I mean, he has been very, very, very consistent. Of the other three guys, Eflin's been the one to me who has flashed the most, but it just seems like he can't put it all together. We're still getting these five, six, five between five and six innings. He'll strike some guys out. He's going to give up three, four runs, and it's just – it feels like there's there's more there with Eflin, but we're not getting it. Yeah, well, he's just been inconsistent, and it seems like he's uh, taking a little bit to find his mechanics in a start. Like, if, if you notice the first three innings last night, he was missing with his fastball middle-middle. He just wasn't find them, finding the, the right release point. And I, going back to the Boston start, I felt like he was cutting himself off a little bit. Um, and then as the game goes on, he kind of figures it out. And, you know, sometimes that's what pitchers are. You, like, And I don't want to put him into the ace category because he's definitely not. But a lot of ace-level pitchers, the, the old – saying is you got to get to them early because they figure it out and they go from there. And that's kind of how I feel about Eflin. Unfortunately, it takes him like three innings to find it and not the one that most aces need to uh, find it in. But I really like Eflin. I mean, the, it's, it's he's hard to consistently square up because he's, he's 95 uh, with sync. And then I think the slider's a good pitch. And I, I, I would like to see him develop more of the changeup. I'd like to see him get to where Nola is with his changeup where he feel like he'd throw it in any count because I think a sinker... I think a 95-mile-an-hour sinker paired with, like, an 85, 83-mile-an-hour changeup is just really, really hard on hitters. Um, and it seems like he has really easy mechanics, so he should be able to repeat it and consistently throw over strikes. So I'd like to see a little bit more out of the changeup. But overall, like, I just think he's a really good 4-5. I don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, if you're if you're looking, let's say, to, to next season, Nola Wheeler, Howard Eflin, like, that's – that's good. Yes. Like I, you can go to war with that. Yeah. Now, if they didn't give away Connor Seabold, maybe he could be in the in that five spot. <laughs> At least they got cash back, Jack. Yeah. Don't forget the important stuff. At least they stayed under the luxury tax. I Thank mean, goodness. The, the things I, that, the things when that I really matter. I heard rumors of the trade. My first thought was, oh no, it's gonna put us over the tax. What are we gonna do? I should have known that they would never let such a thing happen, Jack. I know. They would never let such a thing happen. Love this organization. <laughs> oh, um, it's super fun. Yeah, so you know, I I think Eflin's definitely a guy that that four or five. He's gonna on most nights give you five to six innings with the potential for more. I mean, we've seen him go in streaks where two out of three starts he's throwing complete games. So um, he's definitely a guy that can get hot. I just think right now his mechanics are a little bit off early in games. I like to see him maybe uh, change up his pregame routine. Sometimes that sometimes that helps a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm cool with Eflin. He's not gonna overpower you, but Five innings, three runs or less sounds about right for for Eflin. All right, what else you got? You got anything else on the pitching staff or uh, or it's take bag time? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, pitching staff wise, I could not believe that Jojo Romero hit ninety seven. Oh, I meant to bring up Romero. I knew I forgot something from my rundown. Jojo was nasty, and granted, it was in a, a blowout and a meaningless inning, but dude, he looked great. I was super and. Uh, it's super fun too. Does not feel like a baseball pitcher when you see him stride out to the mound, but he was great. Yeah, and like <laughs> my thought was like, what the hell was Austin Davis doing on this team yeah. when when JoJo Romero was right there and could have given you at least uh, something? I mean, like, what are we doing here? Ninety seven had that seemed like he had a pretty good feel for three of his pitches. Like, that's something you can work with. I I could not I could not believe that. <laughs> That we kept Austin Davis around for so long, when Jojo Romero. And it's the same thing with same thing with that, like you said before. But same thing with Blake Parker. Like, why wasn't Parker on the roster to start this season? Like, it's clear that they have misevaluated some of these relievers. Uh one hundred percent. So, uh, definitely disappointed in that. Um, Henry looked really good. You know, it's, he, the thing that I liked the most about him, and he said it kind of post game, was like, I've been in this position a lot. Um, you know, he's he's been coming into high leverage spots for that Red Sox team. I mean, he's on the World Series team. Uh, the team last year was pretty decent. So, um, I really like what I saw from from him. And honestly, my main problem with Heath Embry is I keep wanting to call him Alan Embry. 
Remember, because I, I love that Red Sox. I, I loved him. He was an Indian, too, back in the day. Yeah, well, that 04 Red Sox team I just loved, and I keep wanting to call. Yeah. I've watched so many documentaries in the 04 Red Sox. I keep wanting to call, <laughs> call him Alan Embry. He um, was a nasty lefty. I loved Alan Embry. I was in Alan, Alan Embry. Alan Embry and Mike Timlin, I always thought were like yeah. the same guy. Um, but I, and I know it's going to sound like an overreaction, but I, I trust, I trust Heath Embry with my life. I, I, am, <laughs> I saw you tweet. I'm that. putting full, very, full confidence in Heath Embry. Very, I got, I actually chuckled when I read that tweet. It was that's, very clever. Tommy Hunter looked nasty last night. What a miracle. Two strikeouts, clean inning. What a, what amazing night for uh, Tommy Hunter. Hey, Tommy's looked. Tommy's looked pretty good recently. Yeah, I, I'm sure every time out he's going to be locked down. So He's not going to be locked down, but I would say on most nights he's going to be pretty good. Um, okay. Delius Guerra, DFA, thank God. Thank God. Saving Joe Girardi from himself, if yeah. nothing else. Yeah, um, And my final thought on anything pitching. Uh, actually, no, I got another one after this. But uh, did you see six? <laughs> did you see six, though? Yeah, sadly, yeah. I saw six. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a real, I a mean, real kick. Holy smokes, man! Uh, like, like, just what would uh, we be doing if we had like six? Though, oh my god, we would be losing our minds right now. Who was drafted and or not drafted? Uh, signed internationally, and the the first thing you hear is like 18, throwing 100 miles an hour, and everyone's like, the next Pedro. And it's like easy. It just looks easy when he does it. It's it's effortless Ugh. that he just pumps in triple digits it's like cool man great oh, he's so good i know so that good. uh pitching ninja if for any baseball fan on ears doesn't follow pitching ninja you would be wise to do so it's a really fun account but he basically just tweets out all kinds of gifs and like overlays and stuff like that did you see the one he put out with the three pitch sequencing from Sixto with, with uh like 100 miles just uh like wedged in the middle it was like it was unfair. It was not a fair at bat. Yeah, and he's definitely bulked up. Like he, he's not the skinny kid anymore. He's pretty ripped. So, yeah, that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun if they don't sign J. Guy. If they don't sign JT, uh, I'm gonna be in a dark place after watching. Yeah, him. I think we all are, Jack. I think we all are. He's so good. He's so good. Um, two more things here in my uh my little mailbag. Um, I'm mad at Cole Hamels, and it's not for blowing the 2009 World Series. I was gonna say, when are you not? I feel like you and Cole. This is a, I mean, the slander is real. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know. So this is this is not for blowing the 2009 World Series, but um, he has been working with Max Fried and teaching him how to uh, add and subtract on his pitches. So why 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 Max Fried has gone to another level? Uh, I think we can trace directly back to Cole Hamels, and I don't like that. Um, I don't know if it was worth the eighteen million dollars the the Braves are paying him, um, but Max Fried worth is something. Max Fried is untouchable, and it is all Cole Hamels' fault. Okay, it's uh, we'll add that into the the con list for for when they decide to retire Cole's number. Whether the pros and cons of it, that'll go in the con list. I will be out there with the the pandemic crew. Oh, I know you will be booing. Um, I'm not going to boo Cole Hamels. I like, I love, I loved Cole Hamels, um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's ridiculous to retire his number. But um, other thing, the draft order is not being determined by record, which hurts. What? Yeah, it's not determined by record. It's determined. What is it determined by? It's, it's a lottery or something. It's record and last year. So like, it's like a mixture of both. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. So I'm very sad. I, I no I was longer. E- I was even. I even had Yak for Jack. I was trying to think of a good Kumar one, like lose more for Kumar. It didn't work out well. But I was actually working on these things. Yak yeah. for Jack, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Now we can't Jr. just Yak for Jack. Well, we can still get Judge Fabian, which would be amazing. Um, <laughs> I really want Kumar Rocker. That guy feels like a star to me. Oh yeah, he just looks like a. He looks like a he big game. He looks it. The name isn't a star name, like. Everything about that guy just feels like a start of it. I know. I'm all in on Kumar Rock. I love him. But prob- probably not going to happen. Yeah. If the Phillies had lost on Sunday and we had recorded a pod, like that was going to be my whole intro was, all right, what are we going with? But they didn't. And I was less sad today than I was yesterday. So. Yes. And final thing. Uh, I spent. Let's put it this way. I spent way too much time trying to think of like fun pun type things. And I got nothing for Kumar Rocker. Like I did... Horrible. 
So maybe you should leave anyway. the pun, may, leave the puns to me. Maybe I'll. Well, give me one. I'm ready to roll with it. You know. Well, we're not getting Kumar now, so well. there's there's no point. Um, and my final thing is that a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Pat McCarthy, stopped by Four Fingers yesterday. And he oh. he also loved high hops. So oh, if you uh, if you're looking for a nice session IPA to enjoy with some Phillies bullpen losses, uh, you'd be wise to pick up some Four Fingers. <laughs> There's many of those to enjoy it with. So. Yes, yes. And they're, they're they're being canned soon, I believe. Right? We're on the road yeah. to canned them. They are on the road to being canned. Yes. Uh, that's going to be major. There's plenty, plenty of. Uh, uh, Phillies related stuff on the first design of the cans. So uh, look out for that. And uh, yeah, beer. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to have them in my fridge at home and I can't wait to drink more of them because it is a lovely, wonderful beer. Uh, Four Fingers Brewing, check it out, is the official brewery of the High Ups podcast. Yes. All right, Jack, uh, my final thought. Um, and for anyone, uh, we're recording this Monday evening. Yes. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to listen to it tonight, maybe early tomorrow morning, Tomorrow at noon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's something going down, as uh, I'm sure it will be streamed, WIP, whatever. Jack Fritz will be pitching to Mr. Luck into a home run himself, Elliot Shore Parks. And all I have to say, Jack, is that I, on the radio today, said that I would bet my house, my actual house that I own, that I have a mortgage on, that I would bet my house that Elliot will not get a hit off you. So, Jack, you better not make me look bad. That's all I'm going to say. Well, uh, that's a lot of pressure. But <laughs> I saw his bat speed today in his video, and I am, I'm just fine. It's it's going to be no problem. Good. It yeah, shouldn't. It's really I mean, slow. It's, it's really slow. To hand. quote, to quote John Ritchie, it looks like a child holding a bat that's too big for him. Was what Ritchie said. Yeah, like so. Elliot's in his thirties. Like how are how is he look so weak? He looked really weak. In that, I agree. Like it was like, like almost like the bat was gonna fall out of his hands as he was swinging it. But oh uh, yeah, I wonder, for what it's worth, he's incredibly confident. Like I know. way too confident. I know. I wonder like if I jam him, like his hands are just gonna be stinging. He's never. Well, that's what he said to me when I, I I we did the Go Birds pod, and he was. Asking me, he's like, well, I hit it off a pitching machine. How's that any different from Jack? I'm like, do you realize that Jack's not going to throw it in the same spot every time, right? Like, it's not just going to be, like, right down the middle in the same spot like a pitching machine. Man, this is a human being you're going against. Like, And it's going to anyway. move. It's going to move. So, yeah. yeah. And I said, yeah, and exactly. It's it, it's going to move in many ways. I'm very, you know I'm I'm very nervous that I'm going to hurt myself, but whatever. Well, I think that's really the, the biggest concern for you is you're going to try and gun it up there so hard that you're going to tear your arm up. But oh, yeah. Let's, let's avoid that. Dr. James Andrews is going to be on speed dial. Here, here's what I will say. Uh, I think if it's a choice of tearing your arm up or giving up a hit to Elliot, tear your arm up. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah, I would. I, right. I, I, the High Host podcast would be no more. Um and I would probably move to Alaska. I mean, yeah. Jack might break as a human if uh, if Elliot does anything good against him. So we need to we need to root against uh, that happening. Yeah, yeah. I it would not be great at all. So <laughs> all right, uh, everyone just, check yeah, that I'm out like, tomorrow. I'm like I'm I'm dreading it. I'm I just I'm I'm just nervous. Go in knowing you're a thousand times better than him, and just just do what you do. I can't wait to see his reaction to a curveball. I can't either. I, I, I told him he's more likely to wet himself than get a hit. So Wow. Feel good about that. Wow. All right. Good luck tomorrow, buddy. Ah, uh, thanks. For you. Hi, Ops Nation. You can watch it. I'm sure it'll be streamed everywhere. I'm sure Jack will tweet out. So check that out. And hey, hey, Jack, how about this? Maybe the Phillies win some games this week. Wouldn't that be cool? Listen, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. They're going on a run. You heard it. You heard it here first. Just trust me. We'll be back later in the week. I hope you're right. We'll talk about it. How about that? <laughs> All right. Good luck tomorrow, buddies. Spread some salt to you. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 